Well, when I'm sure they heard this. The Cincinnati Bengals select. They were on the edge of their seats. I mean, of course, that's Roger Goodell. But I mean, in the Pete Rozelle days, in the 88 draft, the Bengals did select my next guest, Carl Parker and his wife, Kathy. You know, when you select one person, you select the whole family. And so they selected the Parkers, and I have both of them on the line. Guys, it's draft week. It's a little weird, but um, and it's virtual. You know, that's how it's going to be. But how are you guys? First of all, how are you doing during this whole thing of, of coronavirus? Absolutely wonderful. Just taking the time, enjoying our family and enjoying our time together and, you know, challenged like everybody else is during this time, but really trying to grow during that experience. So I'm sure you guys were anxious on draft day, right? You didn't know where you were going to go. And when the Bengals called your name, what were your guys' thoughts? Well, you know, back during that time, there wasn't... It, it was virtual, too. Yeah. By, by telephone, <laughs> like that rotary phone, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, it, it, the the draft has evolved so much, and they've really done a great job of taking the off season and marketing it and marketing the NFL. And it really didn't have as much visibility as it does now, Alex. But uh, you know, to be honest with you, I was drafted in the twelfth round, and which was the last round. When now they only go seven rounds, and I actually had a, um, a scout from the Cowboys that had knocked on my door and come into my house and was trying to sign me as a free agent. And he was on the phone talking to his headquarters whenever the Bengals called in on my phone number and said that I had been drafted. And he answered the phone. So it was funny uh, just how all that transpired. Well, as you say, it is virtual. But I've got to ask, when you got drafted, were your college friends like blowing up your phone, calling you up, hey, congratulations, guys? Absolutely. You know, you have so many friends and relationships that you develop over a period of time. And then there's the buildup of the off season of getting prepared for the draft. And, uh, you know, you have workouts and combines and postseason games and all of those things to be evaluated. So there's a good three or four month period where uh, that anticipation builds up and it's a culmination of a lot of work. And then you're, you're, you have so many, your family and, your teammates that share in that with you and, and just knowing that you've reached a pinnacle of something that you've been working for for your whole life. Now, one thing about the game back then was there was all these big stadiums and it was either Riverfront, Three Rivers, and you guys were at Riverfront. I mean, that stadium was ginormous. What was it like just putting on the suit on the jersey and walking into that humongous stadium every Sunday? Well, you know, that experience in itself, it's the NFL, first of all, regardless of the stadium. And, you know, you, you play some big places in the Southeastern Conference like I did at Vanderbilt and play at Alabama and go to the large stadium in uh, Nayland Stadium in Tennessee. So it's not as much of an impact there as it is just the competition that you're up against and knowing that, you know, once again, you're against the best of the best and, you know, you've elevated your game to that point to, to where – now you get to be perceived in that fashion. So uh, I think it has more to do with, you know, the people you play with and against and, and what your perception is. And, oh, I never will forget my, uh, my rookie year. I was very, very blessed. We went to the Super Bowl. Uh, we talked about that before. But, you know, uh, my second playoff game, we actually played the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, my, my idol coming was Steve Largent. And I never will forget walking out of the – uh, the locker room for my warm-ups and having to go there 
And here comes walking out the door from the other locker room is Steve Largent. And I took my warm-up lap talking with him and just tell him, look, thanks for being a great inspiration. And, um, you know, but that's your idols. That's people you Mm -hmm. grow up, you know, wanting to be like. And now here you're on the same field with them. So that was probably as big a thing as it is to the venues. Well, let me ask you this. You just mentioned nerves. And by the way, yes, you were in the Super Bowl against the Niners. And uh, by the way, the Niners this year against the Chiefs, it was a crazy game. And we had talked that day, uh, and I'm sure you guys watched the Super Bowl that night. It was quite an amazing way Mahomes engineered that win anyhow uh, in that Super Bowl. Absolutely. You know, and and Mahomes is a young guy that's come in, and Andy Reid's done a great job with him and developed quarterback play. And, you know, it's such a big portion of it right now, but uh, definitely a, a great player right now. So we're in the downtime, but that doesn't mean the draft's not happening. It will be, even virtually. And so for these kids now, they got the nerves of wanting if they're going to be selected, and they've got the nerve, and what round, and they've got the nerves of just being pent up. And all of this, I mean, can you guys offer, like, some encouragement to those entering the draft this year and hoping to be selected and nervous about the world around them right now? Well, I think one of the biggest things that I try to tell a lot of kids that I've known that have gone through and moved themselves to that point, um, you know, in their career is just enjoy the journey. I mean, we spend so much time focused on the destination and where we're trying to go and where we're trying to end up. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, you have a great opportunity. You've been thrown into a blessing that every day you get is a great opportunity for you to be able to enjoy the things that God's been able to give you. And and, uh, you know, that, that before you know it, it, it's been amazing. I, Kathy and I were talking today that, uh, you know, I have a lot of my – I played in the World League as well as in the NFL, you know, just trying to resurrect and, and extend my career. And, you know, I, we were in the Super Bowl my rookie year when I was at Cincinnati, and then we won the World Bowl whenever I was in Sacramento. But I have so many friends and relationships and memories. Uh, we had our 30-year reunion last year with uh, the Bengals for the Super Bowl. And then next year, uh, we're putting together something now for the Sacramento Surge, which was our World League team where we won the World Bowl. But more than anything, it's just talking to those guys and, you know, seeing where they are with their family now and what they're doing in their life right now and just understanding that, you know what, uh, those are great memories. Those are great times that you have. And, you know, the relationships you build, just like everything you do, whether it's in football or whether it's just in life in general, you know, that's the most important thing that you really um, have at your disposal after building those relationships and memories. Did you ever think we'd see a Super Bowl, a NFL draft on Zoom or anything like that? It's just amazing <laughs> how technology has made this possible. Unbelievable. I mean, you you, you look at technology and, um, you know, the same thing we say the presence of social media all the different things that have just changed the visibility of the game and, um, you know, and then the technological advances, the things that they're able to do, you know, I don't, it'll it'll be interesting because I don't think we'll see much of a glimpse from what it's like whenever um, they didn't have it because they're just that much uh, advanced with all the technology and the things that they have to really make it look like you're right there at the place. Kathy, as a wife of a football player that was drafted, do you have any advice for those in the home that might, you know, be nervous about where their loved one ends up this week? Well, you know, that is an interesting thing to not know where you're going or where you're going to be living or what your chances are. And I think my advice would be don't get so caught up in, 
you know, if you're drafted or if you're not or what round you're drafted in because just go and work hard. I mean, that's what Carl did. I mean, he was, like you said, he was drafted in the very last round but made the team and just had that work ethic and that just determination and, and you know, just put forth your best effort. That's all you can do. We've, we've seen, um, you know, players not go early but just make it big and some go early and not make it big. So, you know, you just have to go with what you get and, and do the best you can and just, we, I did a whole lot of praying, so that's about the only advice that I can give is just what an opportunity, and uh, just take the, and make it the best you can. Well, now let's switch over to the book because when people hear that the Jackson Jaguars are on, Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, I want to remind them they had a big part in your life as well. I mean, you guys are in the middle of the Barrel Project, and all of a sudden the Jacksonville Jaguars step up and say, we will help you. And that really changed the project, didn't it? Uh, yes, it did. And, and we're, you know, when you have an NFL owner and at the time, um, it, you know, the owner was, was very helpful to us and said, Hey, you know, what can I do to help you? And invited the team, um, the team from Barrow that had come down to Jacksonville, the high school team, uh, to come and to visit and to um, practice on the, their field and to have lunch with the team. Uh, I looked back at pictures getting when I was writing my book and, and um, soliciting all those, those photos and just what an opportunity it was for those high school uh, student athletes to be able to hang out with those professional players. It was just, it was an amazing thing. And I'm sure it's something they'll never forget. Now, you're doing this podcast, but I know at the time when the press conference was about to happen, you were a little nervous about it. How did you end up pulling through that and getting up there and talking about your project um, back by the Jaguars at the time? Okay, so when we did the press conference um, and to have uh, Dan Edwards with the ja the Jaguars come and and stand on stage with us and, and say that the Jacksonville Jaguars were behind us <laughs> um, trying to put a football field in Alaska. That was a great thing to have. That was a great thing to be able to have their endorsement. So it helped tremendously. Um, so I was, I was very, very, very thankful for, for them doing that because they didn't have to. And uh, but that was, that was something that they said they wanted to be a part of and, and wanted to see that happened now with the movie and and all that we have coming up um we'll be filming some there in jacksonville at the jaguar stadium and and that will be an exciting thing as well to have them to be a part of that well and hopefully they will have fans in the seats and uh we shall see about that i'll ask you about that thought uh, near the end of this interview but right now it was amazing to just read how they came on board then you got the military personnel on board i mean that was amazing too you had someone from the military say yeah i'm gonna help you guys out can you tell us that part of it as well okay well just a grassroots project and and all we had going for us was that we were enthusiastic about what we were trying to do what we we're trying to give to a community um that that desperately needed it and so it was just word of mouth and and it was talking to people at the ball field and, 
and them putting us in connection with relatives or friends. And, and that's how we got the connection with um, the Air National Guard uh, to help with transportation. And then we had transportation specialists that came on board um, in Jacksonville that led the project. So we just had so many people that offered their time and their expertise uh, to help uh, bring an artificial turf field to to Barrow, Alaska. So that was pretty cool, just to have ordinary people that could give of their services, architect, all, on and on and on, that could come on board and say, but it was a grassroots project. And that's something that makes that story so neat, is that it was just ordinary people who were giving of their talents and services to do something special uh, for some people that were 4,000 miles away. Talking with Kathy and Carl Parker, uh, Kathy, the author with David Thomas of Northern Lights, one woman, two teams in the football field that changed their lives. Now, I've got, as I'm thinking of this, you actually get a little, a lot of, you know, gruff or whatever you want to say, criticism from the local saying, well, why can't our kids get this and the other, but we're helping Barrow. And I'm thinking to myself, man, history doesn't change because right now everybody's not thinking of the end goal with beating coronavirus. Those are like, why is one sector being tested and why one isn't and whatever. But how did you overcome that? How did you overcome that criticism of, well, why don't we help the kids here? What was your message to those that were saying that? Well, I, there's a saying you have to become sort of thick skinned. And uh, I had to work on that a lot with just understanding that you're not ever going to make everyone happy. And sometimes the ones who get the most attention are the ones, they may be the fewest, but they're the loudest kind of a thing. So you just have to learn to overcome that and just not to let that stop you. You know, anytime you're trying to do something that is going to be a big project that's going to, it's bigger than yourself. And so, you know, there's going to be some that disagree and there's going to be some that, that come on board and give sacrificially. So that's the way those things go. And that's, that's never going to change. You know, you're always going to have, um, some people that aren't in agreement with it. Um, but you just have to learn to, you know, do the best you can do. And if you're going forward with something, go forward. Even you're not just, you know, not doing it to make people um, to like you or to, you know, always have everyone's support. If you know you're doing the right thing, you just go forward. Amen to that. Now, there was, an, as I kept reading this book, there was another aspect that the culture, this really was a culture shock for Bear, uh for Barrow because they were they were a different culture. You want to explain that compared to what who we are? They had they had a very different culture than us here in America. Yeah, they they absolutely well they absolutely do. Um, them being native to their area, harsh climate, and and you know I was reading just today some comments from some of my friends there and how they're surviving very well through the uh, coronavirus because things have not really changed that much for them because they already have very limited resources because of the remote area that they live in. And so they already had to, you know, proportion out things and, and they already had to um, be in their homes a lot because of the, how cold it is right now there. 
and they take care of one another. They do things that I think a lot of us um, in the lower 48 have started to do because the coronavirus has made us made us do it, um, checking on one another and just being kind and considerate and, and those kind of things. But that's the way they live. That's the way they survive. And uh, so this is not a real change of life for them. And they, they have what they call their inupiate values. And a lot of those practices are being put into place right now in the lower 48 for us to be able to survive this pandemic. So what a great people um, to learn from, uh, people that have survived and have been successful uh, for many, many, many years. So it was, you know, those kind of things when you think you're helping someone and you're, you're showing them your culture, but then when you start learning about their culture, you're like, man, they're teaching us a whole lot more than we're teaching them. That's sort of what happened there. We learned a whole lot from them as we shared the game of football and an artificial turf field with them. We learned, we learned so much and we're so blessed by that partnership and about learning about their culture. But I'd love to get into that because I know that really affected – it really hit home for you. Like how come, you know, here I am worried about this and yet here they are being so grateful. And that, that it seemed like that was a perspective changer for you when you got to learn their culture more, the Native American culture. Yes, um, very much so. Uh, the way that they share, the way that they give, uh, the way that they sacrificially give to one another and take care of one another and – the respect they have for their elders, just on and on and on. Uh, yes, it was definitely change, life-changing for for my family and for all those that were involved as we got to learn more about these people and their culture. Now, if you don't mind me asking, because i got to ask, obviously the Redskins came under fire for that name. I, that was sort of at the same time you were interacting with Barrow. So was there any thoughts of that? controversy that you had um having dealt with you know barrow haven't been talking with them any perspective mm -hmm. on that whole debate as well uh, okay uh well they are native american they're the nupiate indian culture um uh they have a lot of pride in who they are and um and and what they what they do what they can contribute uh how they take care of their land how they take care of one another um, so I think that they're a great example of how to honor, uh, different people groups without, uh, um, making them change or making them adapt or making them, uh, become who we think they should be. Um, that was one of the things that was so neat about this story is that it really opened the eyes to who they were and, um, gave you a chance to learn about their culture and about the differences and about uh, their native traditions and their dances and their food mm -hmm. <laughs> and all the different things that makes them so special. So I think that it's okay to say we have differences and mm -hmm. celebrate those differences. I love that. And, and let me ask you this, uh, your kids were around the, you know, around the culture at the time. What was it like watching them interact with the Barrow football team? Well, it was, um, it was, sometimes it was amusing because uh, when you take 
young men who have not, several of them had not been out of the state of Alaska or even out of their community, and you bring them to Florida um, and just watch the interaction. But it didn't take long. It didn't take long before you you couldn't tell which players were from Barrow, Alaska, and which ones were from um, Barton Troll High School in, in, in Jacksonville, Florida. So, um, you know, teams are teams, and, and um, you know, they're the two cultures, both of them were student athletes, and they were learning from, from each other. But, yeah, there's a whole lot of funny stories about um, the things that they would do and say. And, and, you know, when you don't, when you just don't have access to some of the things that the kids have grown and had access to all their lives. And, and so there's a lot of funny stories about how they, um, how they had to get acclimated uh, to uh, Florida for, you know, hearing that the thunderstorms, like it, uh, that was one thing, you know, uh, when it started pouring down rain, which, you know, it will do in Florida. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, it's sunny. And, uh, but that really freaked them out because they had not seen that before and heard that kind of thunder and, and, and just, uh, so just things like that, you just sort of take for granted. Well, that is, uh, that's gotta be, and of course you document all this in the book as well. So I, I encourage you to get it. Northern Lights is the book. Now, another person that's mentioned who just, you know, has happened to be winning some national championships in the NCAA football world, Dabo Sweeney, you guys are connected with him, and I was really moved by that story. Do you, would you mind sharing that connection? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can do that a little bit with you, Alex. You know, our oldest son Kyle uh, was actually a high school junior at that time, going into his senior year, and he was a, a highly recruited quarterback, and he was also played baseball. But uh, Coach Sweeney. Um, is is his was his recruiter. He was the receiver coach at Clemson at the time, and Kyle ended up being uh, uh, committing to Clemson, and he ended up being uh, Dabo Coach Sweeney's first uh, quarterback. And so, um, you know, Coach Sweeney's been a, a big part of our life, and you know, a big part of it for us was just you know our son to be someplace where you know we knew that he would be taught you know, what it was like to be a good man and a good person and not just to develop as a player, but to develop as an individual and as a Christian. And and so that was very important for us. And, you know, whenever we had started our program at Bartram Trail, I was the offensive coordinator there, but our head coach uh, is still there, Daryl Sutherland, but he's a big, big uh, developer of men. We had a character curriculum program that we had done the year before that was entitled Men Built for Others. And a big part of what we were trying to teach our kids was about selflessness and about what it means to be a part of team and to be unselfish in doing some things. And so, you know, all of those things are things that, you know, mixed in together. Uh, you look at the Clemson program now and you look at, you know, what they've built that on. Coach Sweeney's done such a fabulous job of just, you know, look, we're, we, we're winning football games here, but we're about more than just winning football games. We're about building great young men, great fathers, great brothers, great husbands, you know, and, and making sure that when they leave here, they're able to, to give back to the communities that they're a part of. Isn't that the whole way a team becomes successful is just chemistry and good teamwork? And I, I know you guys see it in Bartram Trails all, all the time 
uh, when you were coaching there that you would see that uh, every day, that when you had the leadership, that helped the team gel? Well, without a doubt, there's only the, the thing I would say, though, even about it, Alex, it's like anything you do. You have to be intentional and deliberate about it. I think one of the things that we, we do as coaches sometimes is, you know, yeah, it's great for kids to learn great work ethic by working hard. It's great for kids to learn what it's like to be a part of a team. All of those are great things that you learn. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a whole lot more opportunities that we have as coaches to really be able to teach kids. But we have to stop every day and take those opportunities really to demonstrate how we live our life. And then not only that, reinforce to them how they live their life as to what it really means to develop character. And, you know, kids listen. They listen to coaches immensely. Um, You've heard the Billy Graham quote of, you know, that a a coach will impact more men in a year than, you know, some people do in a lifetime. And so we have to be very intentional and deliberate about how we use our platform and how we use our time really to be able to have a positive impact on kids because sports now is it's self-absorbed. There's a lot of things that's real natural for it's all about me. I mean, you look at these draft boards, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, and, you know, your natural tendency is to say, I'm better than him, and why are they taking him? And it's just focused on yourself. And the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, when you accomplish something great, when you have a cause greater than yourself. And as coaches, we love to be able to embrace that. And sometimes that's, that cause is the team is greater than the individual. But if you're not teaching that on an individual basis, then you're not going to be able to accomplish it as a team. Well, and, and I agree with you. I think in, in a way, I don't know if you want to comment, but with Tua now going back into the draft thing, he could do it. It just is, it seems like it's more like an ego thing for him than the reality. He just heard his himself last year and he wants to go in. So I can get where you're saying the self-absorption can actually be a harm to the person rather than a, um, a positive. Well, it is, and, you know, it's that, that idea of, you know, there's this fine line between confidence and cockiness, you know, and you like to believe that you're the best guy that's out there, and, you know, you want to believe that you have the potential to be better than anybody that's out there, and you have to believe that in order to be able to accomplish yourself, but there's also what I call personal intensity, and that is the, the confidence in knowing that and just being able to go about your life and just enjoy the journey, as I've said before, enjoy the time of being where you are and continue to work and realize that you listen to, uh, there's a great series on now, uh, Kathy and I were watching today on ESPN called Peyton's Places, and it's Peyton Manning, you know, going around and talking to different people about building the NFL, you know, and it's one of the great things you see a great guy like Peyton Manning humbling himself and laughing at himself. He had Brett Favre on there today, and they're just, cracking up at each other you know they're just they're just so confident in their abilities and they really want to be able to make life better for the people around them and it's not a contest to see who's the best it's more of a a a compliment to see how we can help each other to get to where we're trying to get uh and totally agree there now do you either of you think we will see football this year or what where do you think we're headed uh, in in this fall, is this going to be a, a dead year for sports? Oh, I, I think we're going to save football. I think it's going to do our country a lot of good <laughs> to to see it and and for it to to open back up. So I'm pretty much optimistic, you know, about that. And uh, um, so I'm believing. I'm believing, Alex. 
I love it. Now, uh, for Bartram Trails people that may be listening to this, um, are there any updates that they can know about what, what, what's been going on with the programs down in Jacksonville during all of this? Has anything been reopened, anything going to be reopened as far as activities-wise for the kids and, and athletics? I think the only thing we've heard is that um, they've started open, opening some of the beaches back up, but I think it's going to be slow, um, and I think maybe when the, it gets warmer and warmer and people are more outside, I, I think you're going to see, um, you know, less spreading of, of mm. the sickness and so forth, but I'm not, you know, I, I don't know. That's just my thought. <laughs> Well, we do hope it's soon, and and I gotta ask both of you because we've been following this league for a while and and whatnot. Um, your your state just got rocked with the addition of Tom Brady to Tampa. I can't let you go without asking you, uh, both of you, your thoughts on that because it's a big move, and he put himself, uh, he put his family first because he wants to go back to see his son. So I, I admire why he did it. But what what do you think impacts? How is it going to impact the NFC and the and the league entirely? Well, I think, you know, you you look at the way the game's played right now, Alex, and used to back in the day, I tell this all the time, you know, you could have a good run game and a great defense and you could win championships. You know, you look at it now and it really comes down to two things, in my opinion, great quarterback play, developing great quarterback play, and then also having the ability to win with any phase of the game. And you take a, a player like Tom Brady, you know, who, you know, has been able to stay in top shape and you see the way he trains in order to be able to get there and do that. And he's just a unique individual. And you bring him into a a setting where, you know, they've been trying to acquire talent and Bruce Arians does a great job of building offensive talent. So I think that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be a, a, a different team right off the bat. And I know I've already heard where, I mean, some of the free agents are out there calling to find out what they need to do to be able to come, you know, join Tampa Bay because they want to be there with Tom Brady. But you also take the Patriots, and I think the Patriots will be fine. Uh, Belichick's, a, you know, a wonderful leader and a great coach. And you look at the way that they've evolved their scheme over the years based on their personnel, and he's always been able to adapt. So I think you're going to see the same thing. So uh, I, I think Brady will make things better for the Bucks, but I think, you know, the Patriots are going to be just fine. Well, and, and we will have to see. It shakes up, especially trading away Cam now. It just shakes up the entire NFC. Carolina's going to be different. The Breeze is back. But, you know, it'll be a crazy thing. Now, as you're talking, I'm thinking of your kids. How are they doing? Are they all are you all in the same place now, uh, sheltering in place together? And for, for parents who have athletic kids and they want to just get their, you know, let their steam out, what is your advice for, for them, for the athletes' homes that are just kind of stuck here and not, not doing much? Or, or how do you keep their minds fresh if they're an athlete? Well, I think, you know, more than anything, first of all, our kids are, you know, pretty much our daughter is, is 25 now. She's coaching, and uh, she's down at uh, Santa Fe College down in Gainesville, Florida, and she coaches uh, softball. So their season was shortened, and that was disappointing for them. They were anticipating a big year. Our other kids are grown, and they're working now. So, you know, different for them, and they're in. Uh, we're in about the same area down in the South Georgia, North Florida area. Not in the same place, but fairly close to each other. But you know, your question of helping get kids, you know, uh, through this time. The the great thing about it is, is that you know, really, 
I think it's one of those times where you're going to find out a lot about athletes in general. Right now, there's no structured workouts. There's nobody to sit there and tell you you have to do this to monitor it. And it's a whole different game whenever you find those guys that love the game enough to be able to find ways to improve their skill set when there's not a dictated regimen for them by, you know, their authority. And, uh, you know, I think as parents, we have to allow our kids the freedom, you know, to be able to encourage them, but they also have to be able to take that initiative on their own and uh, create the best opportunities environments for them because, man, I'm dealing with a bunch of, I coach high school baseball down here in, uh, you know, in Baxley, Georgia, and we had a lot of our seniors. It was a big year for us. And, uh, you know, they missed their opportunity to really be able to showcase their skill set. And, you know, I have sympathy for them, and I'm looking at it and doing it. You know, you're going to have to find other ways to figure out where you're going to go play your college ball and what you're going to do. And, you know, there's some, some roads that they have to encounter that are different from what everybody else has to. But if you're driven to do that, and if it's a drive for you that consumes you in a lot of ways, then those are things that you're going to be able to navigate and, and find purpose. And, you know, like I told my boys, you know, everybody plays their last game. And if that doesn't happen, you know what? I tell, the reality of it is it's not who you are. It's just what you do. So you'll find something else to pour yourself into and carry that same energy with you. And, you know, what's interesting as you say that is athletes today – are just like anybody else, like anybody could get this sickness, and they've shown that. And so maybe for the fans' perspective, it'll be different to know that the athletes they look up to have a human side as well. Absolutely. I think the other side of that is, as I've said, you know, whenever I was playing the game, it was a little bit different, and we didn't have total off-season programs. Really, the guys that took the off-season and trained were the ones that were able to get ahead. You look at ball now and everybody's playing year round, training year round, and it's structured and it's organized. And really, you know, you can't gain an advantage just by doing. You have to do better and you have to do smarter in order to gain advantage against someone. So this time right now is shutting every bit of that down. There's not a lot that you can do. It's really coming down to that place where if you want to do it, you're going to find that opportunity. So those those athletes that are driven that way, I think are going to really see some benefits come this time next year. I tell you what, you were talking about Dabo earlier. I bet him, I bet Lawrence and Joe Burrow are not resting right now. I'm sure they're working their butts off to keep what they got going. (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. I I saw, you know, a piece the other day with uh, um, Tyler Grisham's a a wide receiver coach at Clemson, and they have their uh, Zoom meetings with all of their, their receivers that are at home. And one of the things that he's done is great. He's taken all of these uh, NFL wide receivers that played at Clemson, and he's putting them on the Zoom meeting with them. And you want to talk about energized. You're sitting here and thinking, just find creative ways to inspire your guys to get it done, you know, where they are. And I thought, man, that is just such a, you know, uh, uh, an inspiring way to really be able to motivate the guys that generally you're there to structure and follow and, organized now you don't have that so it's a whole different way of going about getting them to do it how can i inspire them to be what they really want to be and they all want to be deandre hopkins they all want to be sammy watkins they all want to be all of these guys that have already come through the program and to have them to come on in a test and say look if you do this this will work and boy those guys i guarantee you they're going out for their workouts and they're motivated now, one one on the personal side for you guys, I know 
Carl, you had been injured, right, in college and whatnot, but you bounced back. To those who feel like there may not be a bounce back to any of this, even non-athletes, what's your advice having dealt with being injured? And Kathy, you can chime in as well. Uh, what's your advice to those things? And maybe this is, there's not an end in sight to not feeling good and that we won't get better as a country. What's your advice to them? Because knowing an NFLer was, was injured and rebounded from that, I think it'll lift, lift the spirits up. Well, one of the things that I believe is that, you know, you've got, you've got to have a, a great attitude and you got to believe that, um, that you don't give up and you, and you just, you keep persevering. And I see that so many times in life where uh, people that just don't have positive attitudes and they, they don't speak positive words and, you know, they're not going to do very well when trials come, but those that have persevered with great attitudes and, and are looking forward to what's next, they're going to do just fine because, you know, they're going to have what it takes and they're going to know the right opportunity. So, yeah, it is a big blow um, for some athletes, but everybody's going, you know, through it together. So it's not like that anyone, um, you know, they're all competing together. So one of the things I think is important is just to know that, you know, if you get a chance to encourage someone, do it. If you get a chance to help someone, do it. And I just believe through that, I think we're going to come out even better, Alex, because like you said, we, the human side of these athletes is, are, is coming out. There's so many of them that have been able to, to go on um, social media or on um, different media sources and show their care and their concern and their love and their compassion and their empathy. And I think it's going to make us really appreciate it so much more when we do get back in the stands and we get to cheer, we get mm -hmm. to encourage. I think we're going to do it with much more zeal and appreciation and empathy towards one another. You know, Alex, you, you'd mentioned a little bit earlier about, you know, a guy like Tua, you know, who, who had a very difficult injury and is now trying to prepare for the draft. And, and one of the things that those guys know right off the bat is that, you know, during their recovery and during their rehab, one of the things they have to do is to believe they're going to come back and be better than they were before. And that's what drives that. So much of what we encounter as athletes is we live in this this world where every week you get an outcome. We're either going to win or we're going to lose. And if we win, then we're not going to get too high. And if we lose, we're not going to get too low. We're just going to keep doing what we do. You hear Coach Saban talk about it all the time, the process. Stay with the process. Stay what it is. And, you know, there's a certain amount of that that, you know, there there's – this tendency we have to just get way too high or way too low, doom and gloom or conquer the world. And I think there's a certain part that athletes really learn to be able to, to put that into a perspective and stay within a range that's realistic and understand that, you know what, this part of it I can control and I'm going to control the things that I can and make sure that I do that. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, as a society, we need a lot more people that are willing to do that. You know, I can do my part to help, you know, curtail this pandemic. I can stay home. You know, I can, you know, obey my authority. I can, you know, find ways to, to keep myself busy and I can keep a positive mindset. Or I can sit here and say everything's doom and gloom and going to end. And I think that, you know, we got to work hard at, you know, knowing God's in control and God's going to take the things that we have and we just have to trust him. And then at the end 
control the things that we can and and stay in a mindset that allows us to be able to you know be in a better place whenever things do get back to some sort of normalcy well that is that is beautifully said and i just got a couple more questions kathy i know that you guys run athletes to champs athletes to champs with the number two what resources are you guys offering uh through there that that athletes going through now can can go to okay um well we it was athletes to champions but then we branched off and opened another nonprofit it's called beyond the ball field and we started a podcast and the reason why was to encourage athletes and their families so um like you alex we're just trying to do our part so um it, that that's one of the things that we're providing is just encouraging athletes and their families um, through a podcast uh, at Beyond the Ball Field. And of course, the whole reason why I first met you guys is through Barrow, Alaska, and the amazing work you've done up there. What resources can we give to them during this time? Well, um, I'm staying in great contact with them. Um, they seem to be doing quite well. And uh, they're in whaling season right now, so <laughs> and that hasn't slowed down for them. So just in a re- very, very remote area, and um, I'm looking forward to, to hearing how their whaling season it, this spring is, is going to turn out. Mm, it's going to be interesting for sure. And Bartram Trails slash where you guys are currently, are the resources that we, the listener, can help you guys out at Bartram and, and wherever else you are involved with? Okay, well, we uh, we are not at Bartram right now, but we stay in very close contact with them. Coach Daryl Sutherland, um, he's doing a phenomenal job, and um, we just, you know, support your local teams. And I, that's one of the things I hope that people will do whenever the restrictions are lifted and sports um, are able to have fans. Go and support your, your local teams because they're going to need that. They're going to need that encouragement. And, and of course, I hope every field starts off with the healthcare workers making a grand entrance. I mean, that would just be fitting, wouldn't it? Um, Absolutely. We would Absolutely. not be here seeing the rates drop if it weren't for them. That is for sure. And, and not just, you know, I know that those are definitely on the front lines and also all of our bankers and our financial planners, all of those are working tremendous hours being able to help people get the resources that they need and fill out all the, our CPAs. I mean, I'm just, I'm talking to many of those that are my friends and the hours and hours that they're putting in it is, and so my hat's off to them as well. We've got so many that are doing so much for us right now. Kathy Parker, Carl Parker, my goodness, I love having you guys on. Please come back and congrats on the movie production getting underway and we'll we'll be talking to you about that too down the road all right thank you thank, thank you, you alex thank you i'm alexander garrett and uh coming up next mike myers radio hope we'll be right back hey thank you so much guys so this will air tomorrow and uh oh oh no where'd they go let me call them back i lost them
Hey, I am back with, yes, that man, Radio Hope, Mike Myers. And Mike, uh, first of all, thanks for using the SNL cue. I noticed you used it on the podcast Saturday night, which was pretty awesome. And uh, secondly, um, I heard you talking about a, a local park that you go to. And in the are you still going there? Maco Park is what it's called. I heard that the other night, and I was curious well, about it. Now, actually, I haven't been to Maco's Park for a while, but um, I did hear from somebody yesterday that her granddaughter and her mom were out flying a kite at a little town north of us, about, uh, I don't know, 20 miles, whatever, and they were told to go home. Mm. They were supposed to be outside. There's been a lot of that, so I guess some towns are cracking down in Iowa and, and others aren't. I, I don't know, but that's... Uh, that, that's got to be traumatizing, you know, when the cops come in and say, hey, you can't do that. I don't know. I get freaked out. I did get freaked out one time. We were doing a wedding rehearsal and the cops said, you can't do that. And I was traumatized because it was like, what is going on? We weren't breaking the law type of thing, you know? Well, and, and the, the aspect of that that I didn't think about is how traumatizing it must have been to her granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember. remember the point, I think you're. There, there, yeah, because there was actually a kid that ha- saw her father get arrested in a park, I think in Philly or somewhere, for violating the rules. I mean, I, I think we can agree, Mike, these these departments are getting a little out of hand with the mayoral advice and, and recommendation to arrest people. I think that's out of hand to me. Yeah, and I, I do understand why, why people are getting uh, li- literally up in arms. Um, you know, when you're watching the news and mm-hmm. you got the thing going on in Michigan and somebody's all dressed up in militia outfit and asks, you know, who is our, who is the militia? Oh, it's us. Mm. Like, okay, folks, you know, for me, what I'm getting from this, I'm going to stay home. I don't have a big need to go out. Right. In well, fact, it's a great excuse. It, it's a great excuse not to, uh, do any favors for anybody. This <laughs> is terrible. Well, the- <laughs> Um, that is interesting. I talked with someone from Montreal who actually is going door to door to their neighbors and still helping, but I get what you're saying. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I, I admire people that want to stay free in, in their states. You don't do it by storming the Capitol with armed, you know, protesters, armed militia almost. And you also don't tweet as the president, liberate Michigan. I'm sorry. That doesn't work either. States have a right to do what they do. But, Mike, you know what my biggest hope of this is, and maybe you can agree, that these states that are really clamping down on their people actually stop taxing us through the roof, actually realize that all of this is bringing us hardship, and maybe do their part to ease hardship, you know, be leaders instead of taxing us through the roof? What an amazing observation. Huh. Because, you know... These are the same people that are claiming states' rights, and yet they don't give us much to, to, to work with here in these states. That's kind of my frustration with it. Oh, I've thought about so many ways of doing my own little private demonstration. It's not worth it. I mean, at least Trump out of it. You know, I, this could either bring us together or divide us all the more, and I'm afraid it's dividing us. It's really sad. What, it you is. mean just taking... Pray. Yeah. You mean putting Trump in the entire conversation like the governors do is what you're saying? Well, yeah, 
and then people ripping up a, you know where I live in this in, in Boone, Iowa where they have that great big mural that's put on the side of somebody's building with Trump 2020 and people are still just like this guy's an idiot this stupid idiot that they'll put that up on his building and I know the guy personally I had him on the show a couple of months ago um, it, it, people just stop it just, he, look you may not like it but he's our president if you're a Christian, pray for him. Amen to pray that. Pray for anybody in leadership. Amen to that. <sighs> now, one last story, because I know you got to go to your next recording and do your big show today. So, what email did you get? You were just telling me off air you got an email about not wearing a mask. What, what was that about? Because you seemed to have a little, a few thoughts on it. Well, it, it actually, in reading it, uh, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This was from a, a friend of mine who's... Uh, her cousin is a nurse. Uh, COVID is not a flu, not even a little. Here's the reasons why. And then goes through, you know, it's an airborne virus. It means tiny droplets can stay in the air for a full two hours. So if a person coughed in aisle four of Target an hour and a half ago, they may come home, but their COVID cloud is still hanging there, just waiting for you to walk by and take a breath. My concern is that people, what if, again, I know this is weird, but what if we could see everything out there that what if we could see that, a, that an accident was going to happen what if we could see an oncoming heart attack now again that's a stupid argument if you're saying well you're not going to take some precautions wear a condom oh sorry <laughs> I see where I'm, you went I'm, there I'm sorry well I'm sorry you know that's interesting you say that because what happens if in nine months from now kids really are born we'll say those are the coronavirus well, I don't want to call them the coronavirus babies because that's going to put a hex on them. Believe me. So how do we say it? We're the pe- I don't know. How do we say it without cursing wow. them the minute they're out of the womb? You know? Well, you're somebody who you kind of sort of, you know, words mean things. And, and uh, I don't think you're a, a word face, name it and claim it kind of person. But positive. You know, words can build up and words can tear down. So... Yeah, let's just be encouraging each other to shut up. <laughs> let's just encourage each other. <laughs> Mike, I hate to ask you, you took your meds this morning. You're on fire today, so I got to ask. Well, well, guess what? Last night, I did an SNL last night, Sunday Night Live, and it got hot and heavy with Ed Delgado. Oh, wow, that, that's good. awesome. Well, did he well, tell you, did he tell you I got zoom bombed on my live podcast? That was fun. No, that was fantastic. No, I, I haven't done Zoom yet. I don't even know. I'm 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 technically illegitimate. I mean, mm. there's that word again. <laughs> well, Mike, I'll let you go. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna head out of the show, and we will talk to you tomorrow, sir. Enjoy today's show. And uh, by the way, tune into right. to our buddy. Uh, Radio Hope at 9 a.m. We'll be back after this. actually love this music right now and i hope you're having a restful monday morning i know crazy right a restful monday morning what is that 
<laughs> but seriously, I hope you're having an, a good day so far. And uh, by the way, thanks to Kathy and Carl Parker for joining. Thanks to Mike Myers for stopping by before he jetted to his show. And thank you for always sticking around and being here. And by the way, I'm going to do a different kind of Zoom, so I'm not Zoom-bombed like I was last night. And tonight, Duke Coughlin, later in the day, will be discussing part one and part two. There were two episodes last night of The Last Dance, a uh, phrase which Phil Jackson, you know, he was a mastermind of the Bulls. He was the mastermind of the Lakers. And uh, his line is the lead, you know, is a title for this documentary. So apparently he's also the mastermind of ESPN programming, but that's a different story. So great episode so far. I really thought Scottie Pippen deserved that episode highlighting him because without him, that team would not have been as successful. I, you know, we all love Jordan, right? But Scotty seemed to be the calm backbone that kept the whole team together. He, Kukoch, and Rodman, of course, were the supporting cast, and they all did it to, to win the championship. There really is no I in team, and I think that's what ESPN was pointing out last night by highlighting Scotty Pippen and his frustrations. He kind of made it an I in team, but he also was frustrated. Uh, I, I think we can see where he's coming from. So, I can't wait to find out what Duke, who's a Chicago fan, has to say later today. And if we do go live, maybe I'll zoom it again, try it, try it a different way. I mean, look, I, I put out a Zoom link and got 21 people to want to participate. To, just to participate. Thank God nothing crazy happened except one kid that Zoom bombed me. Anyway, all that being said, I do hope you have a great rest of your Monday. And we will talk to you soon. And stay productive, stay sane, stay up and at it. Because if you don't, this quarantine will get to you. Have a great day.